I'm John Schrader, and this is Watch the Media. We come your way from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in the College of Journalism and Mass Communications. We expect our students to do professional work here in this college, and we want you to hear that work. And here in the second installment this semester, we're doing just that. Let's get started with Dustin Stortzum, who introduces us to one of the most prolific DJs and play-by-play announcers in Northeast Nebraska. If you're driving around the Norfolk area on a Friday night during the fall, you'll probably hear Scott Hampton calling a game on the radio. And welcome back to KEXL's Game of the Week pregame show on 97.5. I'm Doug Scott, and joining me now in the broadcast booth, good friend, color man, Mr. Philip Spiegel. Philip, Also known as his DJ name, Doug Scott, Hampton has been the play-by-play voice for Light Rock 97.5 since graduating from Northeast Community College in 2018. I formation, single receiver to the far side. There's a snap, handoff going right side. Bodie, huge hole on the right side. He's out across the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. It's a race, folks, 50, 40, 35, and he's pulling away. This is a touchdown battle. Creek Braves on their first offensive possession of the ballgame. As a child and early teenager, Hampton was a basketball star with hopes of playing in the NBA before his career was cut short. When I was a kid, there was one hobby and one thing only. It was all about the basketball. I played basketball from the moment I got home from school to the moment my mom screamed out the back door over at the park for me to come home. I loved basketball. And it leads me right into what I wanted to do for a living. I thought for sure in my high school days that I was going to go to the University of DePaul and play basketball and end up being a huge NBA star. Of course, uh, that didn't pan out, but uh, it's certainly what I wanted to do when I was young. Scott's road to being a play-by-play announcer isn't the typical story. Hampton was at the young age of 45 when he was ready for a career change, and with three daughters, the choice to go to Northeast Community College in Norfolk, Nebraska to pursue a career in broadcasting was a no-brainer. Basically, in my area of town, I have uh, three daughters, and so I didn't want to leave the state or leave the area to be able to go back to school. And uh, it was a scary thing enough to go back to school, so I wanted to keep right here in, in the area. So my two choices were Wayne State College over in Wayne, Nebraska, and of course Northeast right here in Norfolk. And uh, two things really drew me to Northeast. Number one, Brian Anderson, a.k.a. Brian Masters. Brian has been doing radio here in Northeast Nebraska for over 30 years. And being able to have an instructor to be able to learn from firsthand on exactly how things are supposed to be done, I thought was very important to me. Second part of uh, wanting to go to Northeast, the equipment. Top-notch facilities, top-notch equipment, exactly what you're using out in the field in the radio world of production and broadcasting is exactly what Northeast had, and it really set me off on the right foot. I'm sure for some instructors, it can be odd teaching a student around the same age as them. But one of his instructors at Northeast, James Black, says he was more of a mentor than anything. It, well, it was certainly different, but not in any way awkward. Um, it's, it's refreshing every now and then to see somebody um, come back and uh, fulfill their dreams and chase their dreams later on in life, that you don't only have to be 20 and give up by 25 uh, on going to college and do what you want to do. He'd been a landscaper for a lot of years, but he'd always had this desire to be a broadcaster. He had a great voice for it, a great demeanor for it, and he really excelled. And not only that, because he was someone who was older who was going back to school to do this, um, his maturity came through. He actually was a good resource for me, a mentor to some of the other younger students, and a good role model for them, too. So all in all, I think it was a great experience. Hampton had many roles at Northeast Community College's radio station 101.7 The Nest and Hawk TV, but he handled the pressure like a true professional. My role at KHWK 101.7 The Nest was assistant operations manager. Henry Hagee was the operations man of the radio station, and uh, I was his assistant. I also did a morning show with Kaylee Dankert, which I absolutely adored, both her and the show. Uh, We had toilet time, which, uh, of course, your thoughts on the toilet with, with Scott and Kaylee each and every Thursday morning, and we really had a great time with that. Uh, also, we did a lot of labeling at the radio station. We did a new logo with Spencer Van or uh, Dustin Van Zee, 
and uh, the new logo that they're using right now, the new branding of the radio station, 1017 The Nest, that was all involved with our class there at Northeast, and I think it's one of the things we're the most proud of. Man in motion, shotgun, it's going to be a jet sweep going to the far side, has a hole, hits it hard, and tries to lean forward, and a great job by the Battle Creek defender to come up late and keep him from extending the football, or he may have had a foot bit first downfield. Even Scott's former classmates and co-workers like Dustin Van Zee thought Scott brought an interesting perspective to the classroom. Having a person twice the age in the class is interesting and it creates just a few different problems, but the not big ones. Like some of the things that are positive is he comes at problems with a different perspective than a lot of us do, being used to a lot of the technologies already that they were in place and not having to play catch up in that factor. It's also interesting because he has a lot of different contexts and has a lot of um, information that we did not necessarily know about the industry and where it came from and how really how amazing this whole industry is. So I think that was pretty cool. Since graduating from Northeast Community College, Hampton got a job at the local radio station around the area, being the voice of Norfolk, Nebraska. Radio Now, what I'm doing now, I work in Northeast Nebraska and Norfolk at three radio stations at WJAG, KEXL, and KQKX. Uh, WJAG is a news talk station, KEXL is light rock, and 106 Kicks is a country station. I do the morning show for KEXL, and for 106 Kicks and WJAG, I'm a play-by-play -play announcer for both football and basketball, and I really enjoy what I do. There's a lot of fun and exciting things that go on in the broadcasting world, but the best thing about Hampton's job is calling high school sports. 937, 7-3, second, we'll call it long four, from about the 13, handoff to the D-back, going right side, and there's Bodie, a huge burst of action, five, goal line, touchdown, Reese Bodie, and you just bring the kid in to score touchdowns. It's got to be the sports. It's why I went back to school to begin with. It's a true love of my life, and to actually believe that I get paid to go to sporting events and watch these outstanding athletes here in Northeast Nebraska specialize in their craft, I'm truly blessed. Uh, everything that I've been given the opportunity to do. There's a lot of uncertainty when you bring up what the future of radio broadcasting will look like, but regardless of what some people might think, Scott thinks that radio broadcasting is here to stay. My future outlook in life, this is or in my job, pardon me, future outlook in my job, I, I think the future is bright. I know there's a lot of people that believe that radio is going bye-bye, I think it may be the most important thing that people do in the morning to get their morning off on that normal habit. Morning radio just keeps things moving. It really does. And whether it be audio, video, or production, the masses need entertained. It's what they want. And they will find that person to entertain them, whether it be in radio, whether it be on television, or whether it be produced pieces. I don't see radio going anywhere. I don't see audio production going anywhere. It is a staple, certainly a staple in everyone's lives. And I feel security is at the very top of the peak. Now, the money side of it, that is certainly going to sway people from coming into broadcasting and radio. But I certainly hope those wages can come up. I certainly hope the, they understand the importance of entertainment to the masses and uh, people can that are in the radio business can kind of get it paid accordingly to what they are doing for society on a daily. Uh, we're giving them the weather announcements. We are giving them their community notebook announcements. We're giving them their sports announcements. We're giving them community ideas and actions that are going on. Voting and getting people involved with the skate park for Norfolk here in Norfolk, which was one of my very big things that I did as a DJ, was uh, all very integral in the building of our communities, and it's, it is our future. So hopefully uh, it'll pan out just how I think it.
You know, don't forget, today's game is streaming online at KEXL.com. You can hear the game wherever you might be in the world. And don't forget, you can listen to any of our broadcasts anytime you'd like to. Grandma come into town. You need to head over to KEXL.com and click on the podcast tab. It's brought to you by Heartland Heating and Air Conditioning of Norfolk. They offer heating and air conditioning repair and installation services. Trust Heartland Heating and Air Conditioning of Norfolk for prompt service from people that you can trust. Radio broadcasting in Norfolk is certainly in good hands with Scott Hampton on the mic. For 90.3 KRNU, I'm Dustin Stortzum. And your second half on 97.5 KEXL. Let's continue with our look at the professionals in the sports radio business. Here's Justin Slipichka. This is The Drive. Here are your hosts, Connor Happer and Ryan Tab. And what you guys actually don't know is Happer does the whole show while constantly eating yeah, chili dogs. Yeah, that's the thing. Sometimes I eat entire burritos during segments, and you guys just can't hear it because we haven't had the technology to pick up burrito eating before today. Connor Happer is program director of 93.7 The Ticket FM and co-host of their afternoon radio show, The Drive. However, that isn't always what he wanted to do. I played, I started off by playing baseball at a junior college in Iowa. Uh, left after a year there. Then, then I ended up at Lincoln and thought I wanted to do turf grass management. Uh, <laughs> what I wanted to do was I wanted to be involved in sports somehow. When, when, I, was, when I was playing baseball, I always liked making the field look nice. So I kind of wanted to be like a groundskeeper. And, um, and then I realized you like, they teach you how the grass grows, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was the, I don't know if that was the right spot for me. Connor worked his way up from intern to program director at the ticket, something that station operations manager, Mark Onweiler credits to him just showing up. I, I use him as an example for, Anybody who comes in now uh, as to how you should act if you want to advance in this in this field because he as an intern he was the guy who you couldn't keep him away you know he just kept showing up which which is was fantastic you know he we whether it be doing inventory here at the station or or helping out with events whether you ask him to or not he was just there he has, he's got that same sort of work ethic on air to he he wants to be great so. as host of the drive connor has to come up with four hours of sports radio content daily which requires looking all over the sports landscape i always say that you got to come to the table every day if you're making a show with with a few things that you feel really passionate about and, and i try and find those things every night they happen in sports or whether it doesn't even happen to be have to be in sports. Sometimes it could just be random thoughts. I feel like listeners can feel the if you don't care about a topic, if you don't care about something, then they can feel that and they start to kind of tune out. In a market with several sports radio shows, Connor's brand of humor helps the drive stand out from its contemporaries. People expect us to talk about Husker football and Husker basketball, and we do, and we could have those conversations in an intelligent way. But I always think it's funny. Like, I always think stuff in sports is that happens in sports is funny, too. And I think it's fun to make a joke out of it. I think people um, a lot of times take it really, really seriously. So that's kind of one of our goals. We don't want to take ourselves too seriously. I just think uh, get you a man who could do both. And we are that man. We understand football. We get it. And we will... Talk about football at the appropriate times. Today's werewolf time. Poll question up at Connor Happer. How long does it take to completely make the change from human to werewolf? <laughs> there's a moment in every show, Happer. Every day there's one moment, and I would love to chart it out and see approximately what time it happens. It's 3.53 <laughs> every day. Where something gets said, someone else responds slightly weirder, and, and then it just all falls apart. Co-host Ryan Tabbs says that while him and Connor do a lot of planning, the improvisation is what makes the pair click. Uh, and wing things. And so we each come in kind of with an idea of what we want to talk about, spend an hour discussing that. You know, we might plan to talk about today as an example, Tom Brady not realizing it was fourth down last night. 
but uh, we might also, like we did a couple days ago, end up spending 30 minutes on whether or not Harry Potter is washed up. So, you know, you, we just get into really goofy things that don't make a ton of sense, but we're having fun. Listeners have fun. I would like to have the gorilla binoculars sitting yeah. in there. We could do like, it wouldn't be that binoculars. cool if it was me or if it was you. Like, then we're, we're just people. We look like everybody else. Yeah. If we put a gorilla in there? Yeah. With binoculars? With binoculars. It's perfect. People bring binoculars to games all the time. Right. Good point. Very good point. We, and then I got to do a Zoom call with them or whatever. We got media availability at some point, and I asked one of them, like, hey, did you see that gorilla with binoculars in the tunnel walk? And they'd be like, yeah, I did see that. That was pretty funny. I liked that. Yeah, that that would, was us. That would make my day. Only becoming a co-host this year, Ryan reflects on his first impressions of Connor. Normal, really normal. I mean, I walked in, and he was just like, oh, hey, dude. And then just walked past me. You know, it wasn't like, hey, I'm so excited to do a show together. You know, he, he was he was really normal about it. We we took a little while, I, normally, I mean, it wasn't abnormal, but to settle into to doing a show together. Um, I can't say I have experience doing shows professionally with anybody else, but I, I think just from my impression of what it's been like for us and, and watching and listening to other shows around the country and stuff like that, it, it, we have a really good relationship and that's something that can't be overlooked uh, there are a lot of hosts that are just co-workers and, and Happer and I really are friends which helps a lot but it took us like I said a little bit of time and I there was a moment I think where we were both like all right this is this is now a thing like we, we have that relationship where I was talking about some nonsense and we had been professional and you're not being mean to the person because you, you don't know them that well and you just you're not even you know when I say being mean I mean poking at him on air or anything not anything truly mean and just in the middle of a segment, he's like, you know, you're really weird. And then we were both like, okay, yeah, this is, we, we're, we're cool with this. Like we can, we can be friends on air. We can goof around. We don't have to keep up this professional charade of I'm host Connor and I'm host Ryan. And we're very professional doing a talk radio show. It was, it was just after that very casual. So that was probably a month in and it just took a little while to get from, from, Hey dude, what are we going to talk about today to whatever random greeting that we you know we random now we just tell each other all the time we're both a little too old for tiktok so you know we're walking around saying like oh my man's really do be zooted though stupid stuff like that like you know we're saying it like old old heads that are stupid uh, but you just would never say that kind of stuff the first two months when you're or the first month when you're just meeting somebody and now we're just goofing off being stupid so that that really was like the turning point for us as co-hosts i think Ryan also knows the sides of Connor that the listener doesn't get to see. People might not realize this. He'll get like angry and fired up about a topic. And he's not an angry guy, but fired up ranting about something. And immediately after I turn off the mics and we go to break, he'll just look at me like, what the hell am I talking about, dude? If we can do this now and there's actual real evidence that people can train animals to smuggle drugs for them, we probably need to change the laws on how we jail animals. No, because like, Happer, the animals don't... The animals are responsible at this no, point. No, they don't know what the they're animals, doing. No, the animals How do you know. know that? Dude, that cat is definitely a heroin addict. It took a while, but Connor is happy the drive has found a consistent fan base. The whole thing is basically an inside joke. And, um, you know, if if you're in on it, you're you're in on it. So that's kind of building, building the audience that you want to build. But I, I think transitioning from previous hosts or the different time slots or whatever people just have a certain expectation of what they're going to hear on a daily basis and then when they don't get it it's it's a really tough adjustment so you have to kind of make that transition and then you kind of build your own audience at the same time it's really difficult and then the other thing is you don't know you, you don't know exactly how well it's working we have streaming stats that tell us how many people are listening at a, at a given moment or, or whatever it might be and, and the ratings as well. But you, you never really know how well it's working or how much people enjoy it or don't enjoy it or whatever it is. So you kind of just have to go with it. You kind of just have to be yourself. You have to be authentic. And I think as long as you do that, people will gravitate. But you have to give them time to kind of figure out what they're looking for and what they want to. So it's 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 a tough game. The pandemic changed a lot about sports radio, and Mark Onweiler says Connor knew perfectly how to adapt. The the thing about Connor is he's never shied from showing that personality, and that became even more important 
during the COVID pandemic because we didn't have sports to talk about. That wasn't an option for us. Uh, we, you know, we can talk about the possibility of sports or the the someday hypothetical of, of things returning and, and everything that comes with that. And we certainly did, but we still have to fill nine hours a day. And the, the way to do that was through was through your personality. So when we've got somebody like Connor who has the creativity, has the work ethic, and, and everything that comes with that, um, the established personality and presence that he does, I think that was a big boon for us to be able to get through those times where there just wasn't anything else happening because he found a way to soldier through it. And, and then because of that, others were able to look to him and say, well, if he can do four hours, you know, I can do two in the morning. I can do three in the midday. He's coming in. He's not complaining about it. He's, he's putting out quality content day after day. The rest of us can too. For 90.3 KRNU-FM, I'm Justin Slipichka. I'm John Schrader, and this is Watch the Media from the studios of 90.3 FM KRNU. Let's get off the local media professionals train for a few minutes. We ask our students here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln to take a closer look at communities that don't get as much coverage by the media, underserved communities. We'll spend the next few minutes doing just that. Coaches find players in all kinds of places. Nick Wyman now with the story of two young men who play high school football in Lincoln and how they were discovered. Brees and Ivani Lume are sophomore football players at Lincoln Northeast High School. Lincoln Northeast coach Dan Martin found the brothers in an interesting way on the first day of school in 2019. My first introduction to the Lumes was walking around the halls the first day of school last year, um, the day that freshmen came up. And as a new head coach at Northeast, we were actively trying to recruit and get people in the hallways out for football because our numbers were incredibly low. Um, and I saw a nice, built, athletic-looking kid um, and then later I saw the same one again, but it was a different one. Uh, so we talked with both of them. And to be honest, I was probably confused who was who for a while. And they still laugh at me because I get it mixed up if they're not in Jersey numbers or if I'm not close. Um, but met Brees, met Yvonne and, um, talked with them about coming out for football and they had no idea what it was. And then we had to talk with, uh, their parents about coming out to let them kind of get the approval because they weren't sure what it was. The Ilumes immigrated from Africa and found a passion for American football. Brees Ilume just started playing in 2019, but has found the love for the game, especially his favorite part, hitting. I love when I hit. Like, it's fun. Like, it's weird when it get hit, too, but, like, the way, like, you know, you just playing the game. You have your pads on. You can just go head to head with somebody. That, like, that's just fun. <laughs> you can run around, and, like, Make people not catch you and stuff. So that's, that's the While the 2020 season was a year for growth for the Illumes and the Northeast Rockets, Yvonne has his eyes set on the 2021 season. I'm hoping for like the entire team to hit the weight room this offseason. That's what I'm going to be doing. So I got nothing to do. Um, I just, I just want to cook this season. We're practically got ran over by every single team. So next year, like, will make a difference because we got so many young, talented people on our team now. There's like, we even have freshman safety. Like, to make you think of that, that's like, that's talent right there. For 90.3 FM, KRNU, I'm Nick Wyman. Nebraska is a majority white state, and in many school districts, it is a considerable majority. Andrew Papelka now with the story of one such school and what it means to be a non-white athlete. Papillion is a city located in Nebraska. With a 2020 population of 20,636, it is the 11th largest city in the state. According to the most recent ACS or American Community Survey, the racial composition of Papillion was 89.96% white, 3.61% black, 2.53% two or more races, 1.98% Asian, and 1.51% other race. 
junior softballer Courtney Wallace recalls what it was like to grow up in a predominantly white area. Well, there wasn't that many, you know, there wasn't that many black kids at our school in the first place. It was a very small group or like the older, when we got to seniors, the freshmen that started coming in, there was a lot, but there wasn't that many black kids in the first place. So it was kind of like, I felt like I stuck out, you know? Although Wallace may have felt like she stood out, her teammates did not see it that way. I sat down with teammates Taylor Holsher and Skylar Sandoz, who both played with her back at Papillion. You could tell from our freshman year that even though she wasn't like the vocal leader out there, it was like people looked up to her because she was the one that would have to go out on the mound as like a freshman. And like automatically people would like respect you. And like, you no, know, I like even as a freshman, I looked up to her. Sandoz absolutely raves about Wallace's leadership qualities. I don't think I've ever been on a team with a leader like Courtney, with somebody that, you know, is not only extremely good at what she does, but, you know, that isn't hypocritical, that, you know, admits that she's not perfect, but strives to be anyways. While being a star student athlete on the field, Wallace has also been able to dream big off the field as well. I have this weird passion for wanting to coach a man's sport, wanting to coach a male sport for some reason. I don't know. I'm one of the seven to do it, but that's my dream right now. When mentioned to Sandoz, she couldn't have been any more for this idea. Courtney treats everybody with respect, and therefore she gains everyone else's respect in return. And so I think that she could very quickly gain the respect of, of a predominantly male team or sport. Don't be surprised if one day when you're listening to your favorite team, you hear them talking about head coach Courtney Wallace on the sidelines. For 90.3 KRNU, I'm Andrew Popelka. Brandon Eidelman now with the story of a long-standing youth program in Omaha that's been helping young people in the community for a long time. The South Omaha Boys and Girls Club led partially by Joe Contreras, gives the kids of South Omaha a safe and fun place to hang out and play sports. Because, you know, I I got some kids who come from some tough backgrounds. I have kids that come from all walks of the earth, and, you know, they get to come here, and we provide a safe place for them just to have fun. Joe Contreras has been the South Omaha Boys and Girls Club late night team director for two years now and has changed the culture completely. Personally, I'm extremely proud because of the culture that my team and I have been able to build. I mean, I came in here and we were in some shambles. You know, I had kids who were Allen Iverson talking about practice. Like, you really going to make me run? You're really going to make me do push-ups, Mr. Joe? Kids at the Boys and Girls Club of South Omaha have a pretty unique opportunity, and that is to play sports for free, thanks to Joe. These kids have opportunity to play sports for, for completely free. I don't charge anybody. I give them all their equipment. I give them all their jerseys, all that at zero dollars because I don't think that they should be held back due to a financial burden. Seeing his kids grow outside of the Boys and Girls Club is Joe's favorite part of his job. To make my job the most fulfilling is next year I get to see all the kids I started with graduate from high school. So that's going to be a huge accomplishment to see these kids hopefully be first-generation high school graduates and then go on and be first-generation college students. Nick DeLeon, Joe's sidekick at the Boys and Girls Club, knows how much sports means to Joe, himself, and these kids. It might be the basis of our friendship. You know, I think sports are something that bring everyone together. Um, they're really what got him and I close. We had that mutual interest to give these kids an opportunity to play a sport without paying any money. Um, to give them that training, to give them that devotion that they deserve. Um, because there's a lot of talent that goes missed on in South Omaha just because the opportunity is not there. The best part about the South Omaha Boys and Girls Club and what Joe has been doing is the opportunity that these kids have been getting. I'm proud about what we do here is that we are able to provide not only sports, but we provide an opportunity to grow at zero dollars. All I ask is that they provide their attitude and effort towards what we do. That is for KRNU. I am Brandon Eidelman. This is Watch the Media. I'm John Schrader. Collaboration, partnerships, teamwork, the hallmarks of sports and the hallmarks of sports media. The next long form pieces we have for you here from the University of Nebraska Lincoln students 
the first of two focusing on hosts from the Omaha radio station 1620 The Zone. Here's Jaden Brown. Crossover and just crossed him over nastily. Another victim to the crossovers. Cross him up and oh. sit him down. You're listening to unsportsmanlike conduct. Going man on man and one guy getting the better of the other. Sub sixteen twenty. The zone. In today's media, times are as hard as they could be in terms of the economy, politics, and lastly sports. For professionals in the media business, they continuously have to find ways to be adaptable and give their audience what they want to hear and watch. Co-hosts of Unsportsmanlike Conduct on 1620 AM The Zone, Josh Peterson goes into detail about how he has taken the torch of the show and how he is running with it. For the show of Unsportsmanlike Conduct, how was the challenge of keeping the expectations high for your audience? Because previous hosts like Kevin Kugler and other broadcasters that were on the show, how was it to keep that expectation high? Man, that's a good question. You know, I grew up listening to the show. It was in high school, junior, senior year is when I really fell in love with the show. And that was 14, 15 years ago. And at the time it was Kevin Kugler and Michael Severe. And I mean, it was basically turning into an institution. And so by the time I got into college and I really had an opportunity to listen more, I had a chance to intern um, at the radio station uh, and, and, you know, hoping one day that I'd have the job. Like I, I, I got to see it up close. And so I've, I've always held myself to like a high standard, just my own personal self. But I also, I, I like you said, I, I, it's like, it's, it's a big thing. It's a big deal. This show is, it, it's like, you know, being a quarterback at a school like Nebraska or Notre Dame, where you're not just competing in the moment, but you're competing kind of against the past against the ghosts uh, in, in the, in the past. So I've, I've always had that. It's, it's, it's been challenging at times. Um, I, I know that there are some people in my life who say I'm too hard on myself, who, who say that I, you know, I hold myself too, too high of a standard, but I think that that it helps. It helps make me better. I think it helps make the show better. Um, that I that I remember it like a lot of our listeners. I remember it when it was Kevin and Michael. And so whenever they say something like, "Oh, it's not as good as it was then," or "Oh, you guys don't do this like they did then," it's like, "All right, I remember. I remember those times." And so it, I don't know. It kind of forces me, you know, maybe to to do a. I always do a lot of work, but maybe it forces me to do a little bit of extra work. I, I like it. I, I like the kind of pressure of the the past that I can kind of put on myself as well. Tim is up next in the Chattel or Simple Game. Good afternoon, Tim. Good afternoon. All righty, here is uh, your clip. Good luck to you, sir. Thanks. Back in the day, boxing had Howard Cosell and Wide World of Sports. Today, there's the wide world of Twitter. Tim, was that a Tom Chattel or was that a Steve Sipple column referencing the wide world of Twitter? I don't even know which one it is. <laughs> I, you know, I got to go with Chattel because of the Cosell reference. Oh, you are correct. Congratulations to Tim. Oh, loyal Chattel reader. Nice, Tim. <laughs> I no, like I like you, that. I like how you couldn't figure it out. I, I literally... I, I, yeah, I you thought maybe made, I wrote that, actually. It does sound like a, yeah. a reference that, that you could have made as well. All right, yeah. Tim is a winner on line two, uh, 402-951-1620, if you would like to get in uh, in in on the Chattel or Simple Game. Scott is up next. Hello, Scott. Hello. All right, Scott. Hi, Scott. We have a variety of tickets to give away. Here is your clip. Good luck. Excuse me. I had zero complaints, except maybe the music could be turned down a notch or two. LOL. <laughs> Scott? Uh, I'm going to go with my Harley owning 
Buddy Sipple. There you go. Yeah. You are right. You got it. You oh, got it. congratulations, yeah. Scott. Everyone's winner right now in the Chateller Sipple game. <laughs> Good Stibs, job. I'm sorry. He, Good uh, job. Con- he continues to have to take everybody's information. My right. Harley owning, uh, owning friend. Uh huh. Right. Nice yeah. job, LOL. Indeed. All right. Scott's a winner. We go back to the Dingman's Collision Center hotline. Joe is up next. Hello, Joe. Hello there. All right, Hi, Joe, Joe. Here is your clip in the Chateller or Sipple game. Good luck to you. be a basketball pep band fan but the dj at pinnacle bank arena is growing on me the problem is knowing when to use it in the flow of the game it's 2020 schools need to attract the younger fan now can they play some early 1980s mtv joe was that tom chattel or was that steve sipple uh sipple that was not. Oh. I am sorry. We have oh. our first loser. That was a Tom Chattel call. And by the way, I forgot to give uh, references of when these were. This was a, a Chattel call from last week, actually. Yeah. Last week. Yeah. I could. Yeah. Th- this is a good game because I definitely could see myself writing that. Yeah. It's a good game. Yeah. We have. A, we have, we do share a lot of the same sort of mindset. Because you're both olds. Yeah. Yeah. Olds. He's it's, probably. A, he's older than me, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 53. I think Chattel might be 60. I believe you're right. I think yeah. he is in his 60s now. 402-951-1620. We have a couple of lines open for you right now. And if you're not getting in, if you've been sitting on hold for a little bit, have no concern. It's just because Stibbs is a very, very busy person right now, and he's having to take down all of the information for each of our our listeners. He is not doing that anymore. He'll take your nah, – nah. <laughs> 402-951-1620, Give us a call right now because we have more clips to come in the Chattel or Sipple game. Producer of Unsportsmanlike Conduct on 1620 The Zone, Mike Stibbs, tells me about his motivation with sports. And one of the creators of 1620 The Zone, Neil Nelkin, tells me his thought process when creating 1620 AM The Zone. Who or what motivated you to be so in tune with sport? Ooh, Uh, that would definitely be my dad. Um, my dad is a huge Chicago Bears fan, mm. um, and he was my baseball coach growing up all the way from, you know, T-ball until high school. Um, he definitely got me into sports. It was all, even as a toddler, we were out in the back swinging little golf clubs or throwing the ball or playing catch. Um, and then as far as fandom goes, like I said, I, you know, watching him, Watch a Bears game on Sunday was still is something to behold. And it that's what definitely got me invested in um, becoming a sports fan, seeing him, what it can do to people and how much fun people can have putting their passion and, you know, their hopes into something that they don't have any control over. Some people think it's crazy, um, but it, it was cool to see. And, uh, yeah, my, my dad was a huge part of me. We, we, you know, as soon as I knew what football was, we were watching the NFL specifically uh, every single Sunday from the time I was in probably second grade. So. As one of the creators of 1620 AM The Zone, um, what was the process of going through with that? We were looking at the options when we had a radio station we were looking to expand. Sports talk was not yet a viable radio format. There weren't any really successful sports talk radio stations in the country. However, we felt with the makeup of Omaha and Nebraska, with the passion for Husker football, that there might be an opportunity. Well, it just so happened at the same time we were putting this radio station on the air, ESPN launched a full-time radio network. But we're local from uh, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday on 1620 The Zone. And it is the number one male-rated radio station in the state of Nebraska, actually in the whole Midwest. All right, well, then I'll ask you a follow-up. Should Pat be sidelined the rest of the year to keep him safe? Just looking out for the biggest star in the NFL. I wouldn't want anything to happen Stibbs, to him. Stibbs, I mean, a great point. We we would hate to lose Patrick Mahomes for the long haul, but maybe we have to lose him for the rest of this I, I season. Would, I would hate to lose him, too. 
or trade him to the Cowboys. Would you be okay with that? I'm all for that. All right, perfect. He's a Dallas Cowboy now or Dallas Colt boy. Let's go Colts. <laughs> Can I have Dak? With a U. Yeah, sure. <laughs> little round robin. Congratulations, <laughs> Drew Locke, new quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Three-team trade. For 90.3 FM KRNU, I'm Jaden Brown. The aforementioned John Bishop gets the personalized treatment now from Brandon Eidelman. There's a handoff to Powell. Powell's got a driving lane, goes in, yeah. and a big block by Tyshawn. Down the floor, it's DJ, all the oh. way. Oh, monster jam over Mamu! That right there is the voice of Leighton's own and Creighton's play-by-play announcer, John Bishop. Bishop has been in the broadcasting and radio business for now about 26 years. He began back in 1993 with KLIN, and then has been with 1620 Zone in Omaha and doing Creighton play-by-play for quite a few years now. I, uh, I've been at 1620 for eight years. Uh, before that, I was at KLIN for 19. So um, altogether, it's quite a long time in the business professionally. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot has changed since the beginning of Bishop's career. People change, technology changes, and that causes the job as one, as a whole, to change. Um, you know, when I when I first started in Lincoln, you know, we probably had five, six people in the newsroom. Now there's maybe half that on a good day, probably two and a half people, actually. Um, and then obviously sports talk radio was really just getting started back in the early to mid 90s. And, and now it's taken off and everybody, you know, there's a lot more sports stations and, and obviously a lot more competition. Um, you know, when I first started, there was I think there was one local show in Omaha and then there was a network show that had just started. And during this past year, the sports business, just like everything else, has had to do things very differently. With basketball coming around the corner, being the busiest time of the year, Bishop sure has gotten used to remote working. Technology like this, you know, Zoom and, and things like that make it a lot easier to do your show remotely. You know, during the early stages of the pandemic, we actually did all of our shows from home. So literally this same setup that I'm using mm-hmm. now, I was using to broadcast my show from right here at, at, at home. So that, you know, that's allowed us the ability to do a lot more stuff remotely. And, um, and, and that makes life a little bit easier, but it's still very busy, you know, when you're traveling from place to place and, and stuff like that. But yeah, basketball season is definitely my busiest time of year. Mm-hmm. Bishop is one of the more popular radio voices in the metro area. You can hear his voice on Creighton Broadcast or his five other shows he hosts on 1620. His most well-known show is Unsportsmanlike Conduct, a very popular show in the area, co-hosted with Josh Peterson. Now, Unsportsmanlike Conduct with John Bishop and Josh Peterson on 1620 The Zone. Peterson has had a blast being Bishop's co-host through the years. He has built an amazing partnership and friendship with Bishop right from the start. The age gap between the two may be wide, but the chemistry sure isn't. I've really enjoyed working with him over the years. You know, we've, um, we, we've, we fell into a really good chemistry basically right away. And uh, I, I think that part of that is like, we both have egos, but it doesn't really show up very much um on the air i don't think at least um and and so it's i don't know man it's it's always been really fun we've certainly had our you know disagreements here and there um but we we for the most part we get along really well and like our balance of him being older and me being younger that like we really leaned into that early and he is he is somebody that is like okay with like us making old jokes or making fun of him for being old just like Mm. i'm okay with being made fun of for being young so um, it's, it's a, it's a blast. Cause I mean, I talked to him basically more than anybody. This past year was as unpredictable as it can get. Mid-March Bishop and Peterson both suddenly lost all sports to report on and no one knew what the next news was going to be. They both did a great job at keeping listeners intrigued and always updated on the news. It's interesting because, you know, we were all worried if there weren't any games, what are we going to talk about? But as we found out, what we could talk about was if there were going to be games and, you know, Mm -hmm. there was always something happening. There was always, you know, um, 
the potential of, you know, seasons not happening or seasons happening. How is it going to happen? There were a lot of logistics involved and we, we actually got through it. I thought fairly, fairly well without the sports going on, just because there's, there seemed like there was always other news going on in regards to, you know, how sports were going to handle coronavirus. If you would have told Bishop, he would have been announcing the last college basketball game of the year. He most definitely would have thought it'd be a national championship game, right? But nope, not in 2020. That happens to be the Big East tournament. The Jays had a magical end to the season winning the Big East regular season, but it all came to a screeching halt while in New York City. Feeling it was going to happen. I thought, I kind of thought they would let this, the game finish just so they could say they got it done, but then they just stopped it. And yeah. it was weird <laughs> watching all the guys kind of come out of the, the tunnel and you know there some of them are in street clothes some of them are still kind of half in jersey half in street clothes and you know we're just all kind of walking around going what are we going to do now and yeah it was a very it was a very weird time and then of course within the next oh gosh what was it two hours we found out that everything had been shut off you know and yeah all of a sudden you go from creighton going okay are we going to be a three seed or a four seed could we get you a two seed to we're not going to be any seed because there's not going to be a tournament. There are plenty of memories Bishop has to choose from when it comes to picking his favorite one since he's been with the Blue Jays, but there's nothing that'll top this past season. From being picked seventh in the Big East to winning nine out of the last 11 and winning the regular season championship, that is an easy choice. This was a special season for Bishop and Creighton. 20 seconds to a title. Creighton 77, Seton Hall 60. 15 seconds to a title. The Creighton Blue Jays, 10 seconds to a title. They were picked to finish seventh in their seventh year of the Big East Conference. And the Creighton Blue Jays are the Big East Conference regular season champions. And the students mob the floor. <laughs> the students are on the floor. For the first time in school history, the Creighton Blue Jays are Big East champions. And they're still pouring out of the stands. What a moment. Now, I was very lucky the very first year I started doing Creighton basketball was Doug's senior year. Oh, and yeah, so I remember that. That team, you know, was the three seed, and they were, you know, they had played so well, and, um, you know, they were there was Final Four Dreams and all of that and stuff. Baylor. And, <laughs> yeah, and then Baylor happened. But, yep. but I always remember thinking, man, I hope this isn't the best it is. I hope I didn't peak in year one, you know, in yeah. terms of. And so one of the things I remember telling the guys and, and saying on the air after the game was, I didn't know if I would get to experience a season as special as the first one, and I did. Now, Bishop, a UNL graduate and a diehard Husker fan, and obviously a Creighton guy, is your typical Jayster. He obviously will be going to receive some crap from his friends and coworkers when that Creighton-Nebraska game comes around. And sometimes the most crap comes from his co-host, Peterson. It's a dude, it's a lot of fun. And our listeners really have fun with it too. Um, yeah, I, I, I look forward to that day. You know, since we've been together, Nebraska's only had one win. And that day <laughs> we, we joked about it, you know, on and off the air before. Bishop, like many others, embraces the J debate and embraces being one. But when it comes down to it, it is strictly business. Sometimes in this business, the fandom has to be pushed to the side. No matter the team, it is a business. You know, I wanted to stay loyal to one thing. That's one of the things you have to kind of put away when you're, when you get in this business, news, sports, whatever, is you do have to compartmentalize your loyalties. Mm -hmm. You can still be a fan, obviously, but you also have to 
you know, broaden your view to, you know, there's many different perspectives out there. Because if you're going to cover something honestly, um, you can't you can't always come at it from, you know, a, a singular point of view. And that was John Bishop on his professional radio and sports media career. I am Brandon Eidelman from 90.3 FM KRNU. Thank you. Let's now catch up with Bailey Landinger and his conversation with longtime Huskers women's basketball voice, Matt Coatney. Second one on the way, good. M with nine, 72-63 Nebraska. They're gonna win the Big Ten Tournament Championship. Logic drives on sample. Her layup at the buzzer, good. Who cares? 14 for Logic. The inbounds play comes to Rachel Terrio. Six seconds to go. Terrio dribbling through a maze. Flips it to Laddermill. Two seconds. And Nebraska, the Cornhuskers, are Big Ten Conference champions. Nebraska wins their first ever conference tournament title. And let the celebration begin. Nebraska defeats Iowa. 72-65 in Indianapolis, and Nebraska is the champions of the Big Ten Conference for the first time. Nebraska athletics have been blessed with some of the top play-by-play announcers for Nebraska sports. Greg Sharp with football, John Baylor for volleyball, and Kent Pavalka for men's basketball. And the man with one of the most signature calls in women's college basketball, Matt Cotney. Sample, ball fake, drives down the left lane line, delivers to Hooper for three on the left side. She's got 2,000! You betcha! Jordan Hooper! Over 2,000 points in her career! To simply put it, Cotney is and always has been a family man first. Him and his family moved here from Missouri, and Matt thought his broadcasting career was over. He was asked to fill in for some women's games here and there, but never expected a full play-by-play gig would come of it. I think the athletic department knew I had a full-time job in state government, and they didn't think I could commit to a full year of it. But um, it was pretty easy for me to do it. So, um, so yeah, Lincoln, Nebraska kind of chose me because of family circumstances. Uh, and it's been, you know, I, I really thought my broadcast career was over when I moved here, and I had no idea the best part of it was ahead of me. I think if you want to do something badly enough, you'll find a way. I've always known that I wanted to be involved in TV or radio. But the more I got in, into it, I really thought I enjoyed production a lot more. Uh, I have such respect for what production people do. Here at the Husker Sports Network, if anybody thinks we sound good, you can thank everybody in production. Um, but when I, I think if you want to do something badly enough, You'll do it, and that's kind of how I feel about what I do for the Huskers. Um, you know, when I first started doing games, I was getting $25 a game in free cable from Springfield Telecable, and I was the happiest guy in the world because I was on TV, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I think that's the thing is if you don't worry about how much money you're going to make, eventually that tends to work itself out. But you have to enjoy what you're doing. And I think my career decisions have, as you have kids, they, they influence what you do. But if something's your passion, you'll find a way. That's what I think. Not only is Coatney the play-by-play announcer for women's basketball, he is also in charge of Big Red Wrap-Up, a post-game show about Nebraska football. You can never be overprepared as the words Coatney lives by during his busy time of the year in November, when both college football and basketball are in full swing. Every single day is full of preparation and film for Cotney. Uh, and then when the game is over, I've taken a lot of notes and I've, I've tried to get storylines, things I want to make sure I've talked about on Big Red Reaction. For a home game, I walk from uh, Memorial Stadium down here while the fifth quarter show is going on. Uh, and then I get set up and prepared. Steve Taylor, I'm texting him, letting him know. Because the, the start of the show is, is always kind of... Uh, in flux based on the length of the game, letting him know when he should get here. And then we go with Big Red Reaction. And um, the best thing I can do with Big Red Reaction is watch the game like a fan and anticipate what questions I think the fans are going to have. If there was a rule that was hard to explain, I've probably been digging into the NCAA website to try and figure out why a certain call was made. I've been looking at Twitter to see if there's anything 
breaking in the press conferences. But pretty much I've, I've written down the storylines and just be prepared for what fans are. <laughs> you know, people have asked me for years, how long does it take you to prepare for a women's basketball broadcast? I'll say 365 days, and I mean that. There's not a day since 1985 that uh, I haven't done some kind of women's basketball preparation. But if we're talking about a game day, uh, we'll just say a Saturday Saturday after, let's say a 2 o'clock start on a Saturday. Uh, I try and get up early and get moving. Um, usually the butterflies are going pretty good because I know I have a broadcast to do. Um, I try and get my equipment set up uh, during game day shoot-around. Uh, teams have a game day practice. Uh, each team gets the floor for an hour. I try to go to the Nebraska practice. their shoot-around. I try to set my gear up. I get a sense of if anybody's uh, unhealthy, because a lot of times coaches don't want to say that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the time when I really make sure that I have my uh, audio equipment set up, that um, my stat monitors, everything I've got, that I've got that going on. Cotney's daughter Jillian recalls her dad always coming home from work at the DMV, then going straight into game prep and never being too stressed out. time of the season um, in some ways he's always preparing um, so even in the summer he's keeping up with um, different recruiting news or scheduling info um, and of course he's got his job at the DMV so there'd be a lot of times where like he'd be at work with the DMV all day and if there was a game on a Wednesday night he'd come home change and then be back out the door like you didn't get to see him that much and then it wouldn't be out of the question so like a Wednesday night you don't see him that much and then he might have to leave Thursday or Friday to go fly for another conference game um, and then when he was home you know he'd come home from the DMV and then he'd be down in his room and he's watching film on everything so if there's a top 25 game when we were in the Big 12 he'd be watching whatever Big 12 game was on when we moved to the Big 10 he'd watch those games um, if he had a buddy who had a broadcast and he had time he'd try to flip that on so especially once he got to the thick of the season he was just constantly um, watching games, reading articles listening to broadcasts and traveling. Matt's longtime colleague and friend, Jeff Grish, has been calling Nebraska's women basketball with Matt for almost two decades now. The pairing do not have a typical game prep like other broadcasting duos. They do no pregame talking about their key points each other have, no preview of superstar players. Instead, their chemistry is so high they bounce off each other and mesh so well on air as soon as their producer tells them they're live. Sure. Um, it was funny. The first time that we really worked a game together was at Montana. We had never really talked about what we were going to say. We just sat down and went with it. And by the end of it, we thought, boy, that's the way this game should go. Like, that's how you should do a broadcast. Cody's knowledge of women's basketball has always stood out to Grish ever since they started working together. He is, for me, one of probably the three most knowledgeable people around women's basketball of the whole game and the whole picture in women's basketball at the college level, which is really... I mean, that's amazing. Being a full-time play-by-play announcer for the Cornhuskers causes Cotney to be traveling quite a bit. The family man that Cotney is, he feels he's missed some key points in his kids' lives, but he always tries to make those up. When Jill Cotney, before she tore ACL, uh, she played freshman basketball at Southwest. And, and Jill was a good defensive player, but I don't think she was a scorer uh, necessarily. But I missed uh, her game at Lincoln High when she hit four threes. That <laughs> wasn't there. Um, gosh, you know, I've missed, you know, my son Nate's birthday quite a bit. You know, he's born December 19th. And, you know, I think he, he didn't really like that too much. So um, I've tried to make his, even as an adult, his birthday special. As for what Cotney wants to be remembered for, being prepared and being entertaining. He knows why skip and seek buttons were invented, so he just wants to be the best he can for his fans.
80-77. Lindsey Moore crosses half court with four. Into the four court with three. With two. Hands off. Emily Cady at the buzzer. Yeah! Emily Cady sends us to triple overtime. Emily Cady with an off-balance three. I can't believe what I just saw. We're going triple overtime. Cotney and Grish want to get back to what they do best, talking about nonsense during the pregame media meal at Pinnacle Bank Arena and calling Nebraska women's basketball on the air. For 90.3 KRNU-FM, I'm Bailey Landanger. Thanks so much for spending time with us and our students here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in the College of Journalism and Mass Communications from the studios of 90.3 FM. This is Watch the Media. I'm John Schrader.